Welcome to Fraud Busting. I'm Tracy Brown, the Fraud Busting Body Language Expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion dollar business deals. It's time to dive in so you can beat the fraudsters at their own game and build your bottom line. In this episode of Fraud Busting, I get to speak with Italian mafia princess Marissa Marico. She's breaking the code of silence about the family business. She takes us from her beginnings in crime to being appointed the head of the whole operation at age 22. She's got some great insights into the psychology of why she committed the crimes she did, how she transitioned to the good side, and how she's helping people now. Enjoy. Hi, it's Tracy. Just a quick thought. What would you do with $4? With that same money, a hacker can buy all of your info. I mean, social security number, credit card numbers, passwords, health insurance info, and yes, even your kids' information. Now, I've searched around on the dark web, and it's a good bet your info is out there for sale waiting to be used. If you're lucky, It'll just be a few charges to your credit card, but smart hackers are tapping into your credit to buy TVs, cars, houses, use your medical insurance, and even take over your banking and investment accounts, effectively kicking you out of your own accounts. You're the one that's going to be stuck with this big problem, have mystery bills due, and need to get your money back while repairing your good credit. Now, the folks at ID Shield know this and have the solution. I've teamed up with them on their ID theft insurance. It's comprehensive, it's inexpensive, and it will let you rest easy. They will replace any money you lost, give you access to their team of licensed private investigators to do whatever it takes to repair your credit score. Yep, they'll do the heavy lifting and spend all the hours on the phone and the time it takes to restore your online reputation to pre-breach levels. You, your money, and your reputation are worth more than $4. Treat yourself like it. Go to fraud-busting.com slash IDShield to learn more and get covered today. It's fraud-busting.com slash IDShield. We'll see you on the protected side when you get there. Thank you so much for coming on. How is London? Um, well, I'm I'm in the north, actually. I'm oh, you are? London. Okay, yes, okay. Yes, so... Uh, it's lovely. It's a beautiful day. It's afternoon here, so I believe it's your morning. So good morning. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so it's lovely. It's actually for a change. It's really, really typical of British weather where um, on a lockdown, it's been absolutely beautiful out there. Oh. <laughs> Whereas normally it's quite rainy and cloudy and at this time of year, but um, mm, yeah. Well, now, how, yeah. how ha have you all done things over there? Because we've been able to actually, here in the States, get out a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I know in some places in Europe, you can't go more than 50 feet from your house. Or, like, what's been the yeah. regulations where you are? No, um, here we are allowed uh, one, one uh, exercise a day. So probably about an hour. We're allowed either walking, cycling, um, anything like that. And we're allowed to the shops. Uh, for necessity, the essentials, obviously as as less as you can, right? And uh, I've, I've got I'm asthmatic, so um, uh, I'm sort of one of the vulnerables. So I've been told not to go to shops and things. I haven't been to the shops for two months now. So, oh, um, do you miss it? Yeah. I mean, how are you doing? Well, yeah, it's just um, I think I don't miss all that. I miss not seeing my grandchildren. Uh huh. That's, my main my eldest daughter obviously and my grandchildren I've seen them from the car and when she's bought shopping for me but it's just very hard you know to um I think that's the main thing that's really and then of course you know uh I've I've been in isolation as such I've been to prison so I I sort of all this has taken me a little bit back to many feelings that um I've probably left behind a long time oh, ago. Um, uh, so the isolation, I guess, I mean, it's nothing like prison. I'm not trying to, you know, it's, but the isolation away from your family and, and things like that. Well, know, I was talking uh, to, to our friend, Tony Sales, 
who uh, also compared this to prison. He said it's much, much more luxurious, but same kind of isolation. Mm. Yeah. As I said, it's that that main that um, family contact. Mm-hmm. Even though you've got, you know, you've got FaceTime, you've got all that. It's not. But the it's same. not that. Mm, it's yeah. not that cuddle kiss. <laughs> yeah. I'm very family orientated. Very. Uh huh. Um. So I, I do miss that a lot. I have my el- uh, my youngest. Sorry, son. He's nineteen. He's here oh. with me. Okay. So at least I have him. But <laughs> a little bit. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. So so you're surviving. I think like the rest of us. I mean, we'll see yeah. how how this goes when we start to come out of it and what works and what doesn't. But mm-hmm. I think we're in for the long haul of a problem on our hands. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. no way around it. So I think until there's a vaccine, there's we will not we won't get back to normal yeah until no. there is a vaccine really. yeah well and those vaccines yeah. i mean even with the flu they're only somewhat like 60 70 percent sometimes on the low end uh, uh effective you know so i guess no, no. we'll just see i mean we got a moving target to hit i think moving forward i mean no one no one knows and we'll look back and go man what a time <laughs> yeah 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 we never thought it would happen in our lifetime anyway i, I never thought no it would happen in yeah it's just very surreal i guess isn't, isn't it? it though oh my gosh yeah it's crazy so okay let's jump in here and mm-hmm. um i have i have kind of two realms of curiosity here um mm-hmm. first is I, i'm kind of curious how um how organizations like like your families is was structured because like like would you call it the mafia or would you call it something else and like i'm curious how cash flow works and how all that it comes together typically and then i want to know more uh like pointedly about your experience in navigating through what happened and how you ended up now uh to be doing what you're doing now so um, so tell me a little bit okay. about the structure of, uh, how, how things work. Well, as, um, so you've got, uh, you've got the mafia, which is Cosa Nostra from Sicily. Okay. And you've got the Gamorra, which is from Naples. And then you've got the Andrangata, which is from Calabria. And that's where my family is from. Okay. Uh, which is the Andrangata. Andrangata actually is a word that means family. Oh, okay. so yeah. So the structure is a family structure. So basically, you you born. I was born into that. Okay. We go back to generations of um, mafia families uh, as a family. You know, we're going up a couple of hundred years at least. Oh. Um, you know, our our Serrano family with partisans in the Second World War in the Aspromonte Mountains. Uh, fighting the Germans uh, and their own Italian, because obviously Italy was with Germany at the start of World War II. Mm-hmm. So they were fighting with the Americans, with yourselves, uh, before uh, Italy surrendered and Germany was sort of pushed out. Uh-huh. Um, so they they were allies with them. So, you know, because obviously partisans, they knew the area, they knew. So there's that connection with that. Um, and then, of course, you wind forward over the years, the families always stayed and, and the new generations coming through have taken over the ranks. So you'd never have anybody from the outside do it. Uh, people from the outside do come in if they're cousin of a cousin or married into okay. the sister's married and then the sister's cousin comes into it. But it's always structured around family okay um yeah if that so, answers your question yeah yeah absolutely because i didn't know if uh if you brought outside people for certain projects or uh certain activities of course you do that you mm-hmm. hire people and you know uh, in this world there's everybody has a price uh-huh. even the ones that you think they're untouchable they do have a price yeah yeah um so you know, we had like accountants and, and people that would look at different different things for investments. Uh, so basically, my my role was I never saw the drugs or anything like that. Of course, I knew what was going on. 
Uh-huh. I was um, about 18 years old when I became involved, uh, very young. And yeah. I was up till I was 24, I was involved in it. So my involvement, um, I was born there. And when I was nine, my mother was a British au pair in Milan in the late 60s and met my okay. father. Mm-hmm. She very quickly became pregnant. Um, they did get married, but it didn't last very long. And anyway, my, my mother got very close to my Italian grandmother. I mean, you know, you, you're talking about people, obviously they're criminals as such, but they are a family unit. There's a lot of loyalty, a lot of love, and a lot of uh, people probably can't quite understand that. But my mum became, you know, very close to my nan, and she stayed till I was nine. At nine years old, my family came became heavily involved um, with drugs and things um, and arms, and and my, and my mother got very uh, sort of uh, quite taken aback with that and thought well no I don't want my daughter to be here my father was against it at first and then my nan got around him and and eventually she brought me back to the UK this is why obviously I'm I'm in the north north of England yeah so then I did all my high school here kept away from that well every year my mother used to take me back so of course I'd uh, of course I kept my Italian I speak fluent Italian I I yearned for my family. I love my family because over here I didn't have such a big family and mm. it was very different for me. We were very alone, me and my mother and I, and, and uh, you know, she had other sisters and that. It just wasn't that family unit and I longed for that. So when I was 17, I went over on my own, met the father of my, my daughter's father. <laughs> Okay, I'm all right. with him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry, I'm just trying to tell you the background as to why, you know, I, I've ended up. Obviously, I was born into it, but then I was taken away. Mm-hmm. And then I chose to go back. I've met, you know, my, my future then husband. And um, I had a lot of daddy issues with my father because mm. he, I was surrounded by growing up with the... Uh, he wanted a boy he wanted a boy and he oh, wanted a boy oh wow that's a lot of weight so uh, so much so that i i was in a restaurant when i was 8 years old and he in front of his friends was talking about having this boy i burst out crying and i'm i'm telling you this because obviously as i've got old i'm 50 now and obviously i'm a mature woman and i realize that i've done my book as you know and mafia princess book and and I've, it was like a therapy for me Mm-hmm. because I was in my mind you know why did I sort of get so much and why did I I'm not trying to make excuses because obviously I did wrong and I did prison time for it and I admit you know I said yeah this is what I did and um but it, it's going back to that and, and and looking back on everything that I realized that I wanted to show him that I could do just as much as a boy would do oh wow okay okay oh yeah yeah so um so of course, then I became involved. I had, I was obviously dual nationality. I had my British passport. Um, a lot easier to get around with. Okay. Uh, of course, I was smartly dressed. Very much. You'd never ever think. That obviously, I was the daughter of a big mafia boss, or uh-huh. <laughs> I was so heavily involved in in the organisation. Uh, and of course, you know, the trust was built. My father realised. This is another thing, you know, obviously through doing my book that speaking to my ghostwriter that uh, said, I was so young, how could I have been given such responsibilities? And he said, you know, I think this is my Douglas Thompson, my ghostwriter. He said, because you must have shown that you could do that. Because to at such a young age, you know, my son's 19, 20 this year, and I would uh-huh. never, ever dream. Of, and, and I'm not talking about just illegally. I'm talking right. about legally. Anything, you know, yeah. Anything, <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, so yeah, so, so let's basically. Oh, let's 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 talk about that. So, so we know you were given, like I I know you were given responsibility uh, at a super young age. But let's let's talk about let's let's back up and then get into what the responsibility is. So. The thing that's that's so intriguing to me about um, 
a lot of the big criminals that I've talked to is that they, they think really big and they know how to organize a group. Like it's not any different than a CEO. Uh, and and they, they get things done, they know how to make decisions, they know how to get the most out of their people. And um, so I'm sure you, show, you showed that, but what, what were the, some of the revenue streams that, that you all had? Like, did you have a favorite or like a bigger one? Like, tell me, tell me about that and then we'll get into what you did along those lines. Um, well, my father, we, we sort of, uh, invested in different, uh, I mean, we had a leather factory leather? in okay. Northern Italy, uh-huh. uh, that made leather goods, you know, shoes, bags, belts, mm-hmm. handbags, as I just said, um, um, I think somewhere some for quite for designer, uh-huh. <laughs> The, some of the designer labels. Um, so then we invested uh, into uh, water, um, uh, water company uh-huh. in Switzerland. Like so we had shares. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. we had shares in uh, bottled water in Switzerland. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't quite recall the what the actual name was and we're talking about 30 years ago yeah yeah for sure. uh, a lot has happened since then um and uh, it was, we were involved property construction um my father was going to get a, a loan from fininvest which at the time was owned by uh, silvio berlusconi which was then the president of italy um uh, so just different things like that, and also in the travel industry, uh, tourism, um, a travel agency, uh-huh. um, just pretty much anything that we could. Invested also in a bar, a couple of bars. Uh, we have property in Marbella, you know, in Spain, of course, typical, uh-huh. <laughs> typical of uh, the crime, Costa del Crime, they call it in uh, Costa del Crime, uh, Costa, Costa del Crime in, in Costa del Sol. And, okay. And that was Marbella was a typical place of all the crooks, if you will, of Europe. <laughs> okay. Go to, and I'm just quite sure they still do. Um. So yeah, that was really mainly. Um. If we had, you know, I had a Coots bank account in Geneva. Uh-huh. I was uh, the one to take the money there, speak to the bank manager. The bank manager was in with all this. She uh-huh. knew um about what was going on um and the way i mean i've been asked how we managed to sort of persuade this bank manager or or uh working with her and it was actually we were quite lucky because it was through other drug traffickers that we Uh were able to to get her on on board with um our activities so Mm -hmm. so everything everything you said like most of it sounds like super legal stuff right so but then you said there was some arms and some drugs and is that how you funded the investments or were was there something fishy about the investments too like i have like i'm so curious how that's how we no that's how we funded them okay through the legal activities is Uh how we funded the the investments so because we wanted to keep that separate and of course i was the front the face and front of them investments because i was super clean yeah uh of course as going back british passport is seen as you know probably the second first best in the world back then yeah not sure it's that now you know you can get in these many countries and and things so of course that opened a lot of doors um so I was super clean. I was the front of it and everybody was quite happy to, you know, of course, British, uh, spoke English and schooling in England. Yeah. Obviously you give, it's that perception people have, you see. Uh-huh. So they see all that. So of course you would, you know, you think of mafia and maybe a bit not, I'm not saying well-educated, but how far how did they go? You'd have to yeah. get people outside to do these things wouldn't they yeah they have to get people well obviously you know it's not necessarily the case which it wasn't with myself uh-huh. um so of course then i had to do the dirty work as well i used to take monies uh to spain to buy um my father was then very heavily um uh, con- uh contributing um uh, cannabis okay 
which was resin actually at the time. He was directly going to, we used to call him the Chocolate of Sultan, which was the Moroccan sort of uh, king, if you will, okay. of the resin, uh, direct to the wholesaler, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, so he was he, across from Europe, from Morocco to Spain, across to Italy, and about nine countries were involved at the time. We were taking about two tons of resin a week across the borders. And wow. Yeah, it was a lot at the time. Um, so, you know, I mean, all this, this was then just before I got arrested, what I was more involved in. Before that, my, my family was involved in uh, other illegal, uh, you know, from heroin, cocaine weapons arms uh our family down southern italy so as i was saying that the andrangheta is my grandmother's side of the family mm-hmm. so my grandmother was born into that and um she left with my grandfather to go to the north to milan in the late uh, sorry late 50s mm-hmm. 60s time and she didn't leave that life behind she took it with her oh okay and of course we were the ones in the north where we my father you know my my grandmother and that doing so it was contraband of cigarettes at first going to switzerland and from that it was more and more and more corruption with police judges uh their own territory in milan quite a vast area in milan that nobody would sort of do anything in yeah you had your territory Um, yeah 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 we had all that so that was then, and then obviously over the years it grew and grew. You've got to think my grand, my father had it was twelve of them altogether, siblings, seven boys and five women, oh, so yeah. five girls. Yeah, yeah, so they're a big family. Um, uh, you know, so that's that's how it became as it did. Uh, yeah. Wow. So so you got a lot of revenue streams. You show up in. Uh, Italy. Now, did you know at that point that what your family was up to, or did you know anything was different than maybe the people next door? Like, tell me about that. Mm. Well, um, it was, see, so I'd left Italy at nine years old with uh-huh. my mother, and I didn't end up seeing my father till I was 13, so for four years. Yeah. But it, when I left, it for, I left to the UK, uh, my father was involved in a shootout and some, a guy was killed. Oh, man. And my father then um, was a fugitive and he came to America. He lived in New York and Los Angeles huh. for a while. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, he was a count over there. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> In New York, and I know that he'd opened some sort of restaurant, apparently, and he was very well uh, in with Gotti. Okay. He was doing dealings with Gotti. Yeah, John Gotti, yeah. Yeah, uh, John Gotti at the time. Um, Of course, because you've got to remember, we're like from the old country, and my father was coming from Calabria, the Andrangheta. Yeah. And I guess in America, they sort of have respect for that. You know that okay because uh, i know gotti at some point what is my father to work for him and my father's like no i'll work with you but <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm not you know and and what i'm trying to say is because when you come in from the outside you know from the old country as they call it there's different sort of rules and things i guess to what uh yeah so my father yeah he was he was over in the u.s till i was 13 and then he got court and obviously had a a warrant out from it for him from Italy so I think he got caught with the speeding something speeding or going through a light I can't remember and and they realized yeah something simple and and they realized who it was and of course then he got remanded and extradited back to Italy and faced the murder trial he got convicted of murder which was later uh, reduced to manslaughter in an appeal court that was because he paid the judge oh wow to do that uh-huh um then he did some time inside like a king <laughs> i remember then i from 
in the UK. So I used to go over once a year and I remember going to see him in Palmer prison. Uh-huh. And I just couldn't believe he had this lovely suit on. Uh, my grandmother was taking him. So you're allowed to take a parcel in each week to oh, okay. on your visit. Okay. So in Italy, they're very big on taking food, cooked food. Yeah. And a few bits of clothes. It has to be five kilos, no more. Okay. Of clothes, toiletries, food, anything like that. And uh-huh. I just remember my grandmother stopping at the wholesalers to get him the best parma ham and the best parma parmigiano, you know, the cheese. Yeah. And yeah. Um, sometimes she'd order like lobsters. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and everything would go into him. Now, years later, you know, found out that he was in the governor's the pocket. You know, the governor was in my father's pocket. Oh. He he actually went to the governor's house to eat from prison. <laughs> wow. Okay. okay. You know, it was it was really, it's mind-blowing, you know, the corruption that was back then. And then, as I said, oh. money talked and, yeah. and anything that you could. So... So going back to your question, I realized then at 30, this isn't, there's something. <laughs> something not right. Yeah, something, you know, my <laughs> father's in here dressed, like really nice suit. Uh, you know, we, we're away from all the rest of the prisoners on our, uh-huh. in, on our visits. Um, and it was just sort of, and then obviously over the years going back, I realized that my family wasn't actually normal. Okay. <laughs> such, whatever normal is. Um, but it was so normal in every other way, uh-huh. but the business way that life was different. You know, uh, my grandmother was a normal grandmother. I mean, she actually, uh, it's going to sound crazy to you, but, uh, my, the last, my father's sister, the last one, the youngest was born a month before me. Okay. And my mother wasn't couldn't milk you know she couldn't give me milk from her breast and and my grandmother breastfed me (laughs) oh wow okay yeah you know this sounds crazy but they did used to have wet nurses I believe anyway in the Uh 18th century didn't they and yeah you know and and she was like that wet you know she's my grandmother yeah yeah uh so I'm just trying to say to you that was how close yeah yeah wow um yeah so I was brought up with all that Uh uh so of course that's when I realized, but going back every year, even though my mother tried to take me out of all that, uh-huh. going back every year didn't help because of course I wanted to be there. I wanted that family unit. I wanted that love and that affection and all that. And then of course the, you know, we were over here quite middle-class, not much, you know, single right. parent. My mother was going over there, you know, there was all the, the, wealth and yeah, <laughs> nice huh? cars nice houses and nice and I was treated like a princess literally uh-huh. and it was like a no-brainer then for me like, <laughs> yeah well I'm sorry mom but I don't see my future here so as uh-huh. soon as I was 18 of course then I met my daughter's father uh-huh. but I was over there but people you know it's not so much to do with of course I was impressionable. I was young and you are at that age. Right. But it was that family and that loyalty and that, you know, I'm not sure if that comes across, but it was that, you know, that I I, I crave for more than anything. And of course, then my father's attention because of all the years that we had. Yeah, you missed him. Yeah. So, so, so you end up over there, you're 17, 18, and then so you're the face of things and did did you get put did I read right you got put fully in charge at one point or no okay Mm -hmm. oh yeah sorry yeah okay okay (laughs) I thought you meant at first oh no 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 at first uh like like what was your job because were you like on the payroll or did you just have everything taken care of like at first and how, how did that all shake out so I I was um so over time, I, w- I was given more and more responsibilities. So mm-hmm. as I said, I was uh, the face, you know, the front face of anything. Uh, we had investments. I was taking um, money across to Spain to pay for the drugs, for the resin. 
I would take it by plane and I'd like big Bridget Jones knickers. <laughs> oh, and really? Just put money. Yeah, I used to powder myself up with money. <gasps> Tape it all around but, you. Yeah, first class away. Oh. Into, yeah, I used to go and, and then many times I did that. And then I used to, we used to travel across about 10 hour drive from Milan to uh, Malaga. Mm-hmm. Would I be about right? Yeah, so we used to drive down, went to Seville as well because we had a connection there first. And then, of course, my father went straight to the Moroccans. And uh-huh. um, so uh, basically, I used to drive down with my uh, daughter's father and we used to put either the money into the panels of the car or into the wheel, the spare wheels, or the back, or anywhere oh, wow. that we could put. Yeah. So obviously, we have actually, I think it was a little bit more than ten hours. I don't know why ten hours came to mind then, but I think it's because we used to stop overnight uh-huh. sometimes, which would be quite. We have to find just sort of um, um, a hotel that had a uh, secure park, the parking. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, or else we'd even take everything out and just put it in bags and take it with us in the hotel room. And once I lost about 20,000 uh, 20, lira at the time. Oh. Yeah, I just, and I, just, I just thought, I think I left it. On, it was on the bed and I must have left it under the blanket, not realised, counted oh. wrong. But my mother was a chambermaid at the time in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought to myself, I hope, I hope the chambermaid's got that money. Yeah, that's <laughs> she quite finds a bit. it and she right, keeps it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's crazy, isn't it? How little things like that stick in your mind that uh, uh-huh. it's quite a lot of money then to sort of lose like that. But anyway, that that was sort of the what what we did, and that happened quite a few times. Uh, wow. So so uh, so, so then. Yeah. Uh, you're doing your job, you're kind of doing things. And then what happens to where you're like in charge? Yeah. So then, um, so we're talking about 1990, 90, 91. Uh-huh. I had my daughter late 91. Um, and they arrest my father. So I was uh, probably about four months pregnant. Uh-huh. And they arrested him over other things, uh, some old charges, and they wanted to question him on some things. It was very rare that they were able. My father was always on the go. He never had one place. He uh-huh. never stayed in one place. And um, we, we never knew where he was, <laughs> to be honest. And he didn't have a residence just in one. You know, he was everywhere and uh-huh. all over Europe. And the, the police managed to get him and arrested him. And uh, he, my father's escaped from prison three times in his life. Oh, wow. Mm. Now, did he escape or did he buy his way out? Uh, No, no, he, he he, well, uh, uh, twice, no, he escaped. The third time he sort of bought his way out, but escaped. Got it, yeah. So he bought his way because he had, he's been shot twice in his life, so... He's got injuries that need to be seen. He has a specialist and that on his leg and on his arm. So he paid the doctor in the prison to say that he needed urgent uh, help from the hospital. Yeah. That's the way he paid that. But then uh, he, we knew it was six in the morning he got taken. And, and the um, the hospital in the centre of Milan, Fatibrin Fratelli, it's called, it's... Uh, it's got underground tunnels underneath the hospital. It's got like tunnels. It's basically for the caretakers or, you know, it's a, it's used to, so they use that, but of course the, his men, my dad's men knew that and it was all organized and, um, they got him away. They, they got him. He went to a nearby, nearby restaurant and had some food while all helicopters and all hell was breaking loose. And he's trying to find him. He went to a restaurant, local restaurant. He, he was a friend of his, uh-huh. and he just sat there and had a lovely meal. <laughs> Waited till it died down, and then he was transported via. Um, so basically, when we used to transport the, the resin, it used to come into a, 
a big um, bus. It was um, a sort of tourism bus. Uh-huh. So it used to go across with tourists, taking them to Spain and back, you know, on a holiday. Yeah, yeah. From Italy to Spain. Yeah. And he used to have a, a special compartment built underneath where we'd put the drugs anyway. Oh, we'd put my wow. father under there. Yeah. And oh. he went out the country like that. He went to Spain. So he was on the run then uh-huh. for another year. And then unfortunately, then he moved on to Portugal. And unfortunately, then in Portugal, he, for himself, unfortunately, got caught again. And him, yeah. So... By this time I'd had my daughter, I'd tried to step out of this now. Of course, this is then a slap in the face, you uh-huh. know, and so heavily involved. And I did get scared as in, I've got responsibilities now. I'm a mother. Yeah. But of course, I was so involved that I couldn't, I couldn't take it away. I'd done what I'd done uh-huh. <laughs> and I couldn't change, you know, so I couldn't change what I'd done. But I did try to step back from the business. And when my father allowed, you know, he was absolutely fine with that. But then, of course, when he got arrested, then again in Portugal in 92, I had to step in. He couldn't, there wasn't many people he could trust. Uh I mean, I was still involved, but not as heavily. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't many people I could, he he couldn't trust many people. And and he just said, right, you you are my voice. Okay. I used to visit him in prison every weekend from Milan to Lisbon. I used to fly to and go to Coimbra, I think the prison was, uh-huh. and uh, in Portugal. And he'd give me hidden tickets. He'd have things little like, I still have something actually. It's like a, a wooden box of a uh, jewelry box uh-huh. with all lining in it. And in the lining, it would have tickets for uh, oh, each wow. one of his guys, you know, of, uh-huh messages of to give out to each person hmm. and that went on uh for a while and of course that was good as in it, he was still in charge of course and he was but then it became where there's certain things that he couldn't just decide he couldn't just and I had to make decisions uh-huh like, like so, what, what kind of things were you deciding? Like, was it things like who, who to make an offer they couldn't refuse? <laughs> like th- those kinds of things or, well, or, you know, that I get asked that. So we'll go straight to the point with that. Cause I, okay. you know, I get asked to, you know, so had anything gone on at that time that, uh, someone tried to step on, on your territory or someone, you know, I get asked that, you know, did you have anybody killed or did you? Of course, <laughs> thankfully, no. Oh, good. No, I'll say straight away, no. But, you know, in all honesty, um, I'm so glad that I wasn't put in that position. Yeah. Huh? Of course. But in all honesty now, even now that I can't say to you, if, if, if someone had come and it would have meant us or them. Uh-huh. I can't say to you that I wouldn't have, you know, right. that I wouldn't have said, I would have said, oh, no, no, no. And because, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword in, totally. that, in that life. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you're so into it and it becomes so, it's your reality. Yeah. And it's only now that obviously I'm doing this criminology. I've done my degree and I'm doing my honours now, my third year. And wow. Um, it's only now that <clears throat> I look back on it and so disengaged from everything. I think I, I mentioned, uh, I was talking with Tony on the webinar, I was saying about that, um, I did a module on terrorism and, and how disengagement, you know, disengagement they have from, and it's almost like when you are into that life, in organized crime and uh-huh. you disengage, you, even though I know right from wrong, I knew it then and I can know it now. But you become so involved and it's your family and you want to protect it. You're so loyal. Right. Because um, it wasn't about the money for me. It wasn't anything to do with that. It was that I can do as much as a guy. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. That was my, and then well, it's my father. I can't just leave him. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to abandon him. Right. And, you know, and people say, well, how could your father even possibly want to? Well, you know, when you, you're in that life and you can't trust too many people, when you just so much money involved and so much, 
you know, you can't, there's not a lot of people that you can trust. Well, uh, you know, I, I was really curious because what, what was it like, or, or I, that's an assumption. What um, kind of feeling did you have? I mean, were you always watching your back uh, or, yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's a lot of weight as well. And yeah. I assume you'd have that, or was it something different? No, do you, of course, that's how you live. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to watch your back. I used to, I used to go around to be a gun in my car. Uh, you know, it's 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 that sort of life. That's yeah. how you are. You've got to be really careful. And then, of course, you get the you get others to. <clears throat> I mean, because of our, we have family down south, which is a big sort of Andrangheta family. Yeah, well known. Uh-huh. Of course, do you have further sort of protection as in nobody dare touch you because they know if they touch you they touch 20 behind you yeah and it's not as simple them. as yeah of course uh-huh. um, but even then I mean they were at war and uh, at the time in 89-90 my family down southern Italy were at war with other families and my father stepped in and he he got the military weapons for them Oh wow! We got bazookas now, and AK forty sevens, and from the former Yugoslavia was at war. Then yeah. we managed to get them and t- took them. I actually personally took one of the consignments down huh. to them. In a, a, we had a car as well that used to put. You know, it had a double underneath. This is yeah. all uh, out in the open, by the way. Sure, sure. It's been yeah. in the courts, and it's in my book, but it's in the courts, so I'm not saying anything that's. And I, um, I, I went down to, with my daughter's father uh, to tan this consignment of bazookas and that. I mean, it was so blatant. We were so young. And so this was before my father was arrested, of course. Uh-huh. We're just going back in time. It's about 1990. And I remember that was about a 10-hour trip. It's Milan to Calabria was 10 hours. Okay, I'm thinking of the 10 hours. And um, I remember we stopped at a service station and... We parked right beside a Carabinieri car, which is the military police in Italy. Oh, okay. And just walked out, got a coffee, got a sandwich. And by the time we come out, they were stood there chatting, Carabinieri, and just put their hands up. We were younger. We just put our hands up and just go, <laughs> just, sorry, I'm laughing because it's not funny, but it was just so blatant. Yeah. And they would never in a million years think, you know, and we risked our lives, obviously, to do this. Yeah. We took it down. The family eventually did win the war, thankfully. Uh-huh. Um, and there was a lot of people that had died in it, but that there was more than half that was my side of the family oh, yeah. as well as theirs. So uh-huh. it was quite bad. And... Uh, you're always in that mind, you know, of if I didn't do it, someone else would have done it, something like that. You know, and you think, you know, you have to carry the guilt of people who got killed with that. Oh. But then you think that you, but that was my family. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was pretty, in my own way protecting my family. I'm not trying to make excuses of, you know. Of, no, I get it though. It's but just when what's you're going in, on. Yeah. Yeah, when you're in the corner and you, you know, you, you sort of anyway my father funded it all and and he you know my family did did eventually come out of that that war and 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 they won it so but then of course the repercussions of that were was that when my father did get <clears throat> trialed because of, of all of it when he got arrested in portugal they included all that and because it was uh. military weapons everybody got 30 years ahead ah uh prison time it was that the whole family or just him a few, or, yeah i got 14 years altogether oh you did okay for that uh for everything in uh-huh. the uk i got four years well just under four years three years nine months and in italy i got 10 years uh-huh but i ended up doing four that was another story of of uh there was uh, a legal technicality that had happened because mm-hmm. i i was i did time in the uk I'm sorry. Am I going too far ahead here? Are you okay? Oh well, so? I, I mean, I, I think it, I think it's good. Um, so I, I, I do before before we jump that far ahead because mm. this is fascinating. Um, mm. I'm just curious. When you were in charge, 
what was the toughest decision you had to make? Do you remember? Because leadership's not, at any uh, organization, whatever it is, it's not easy. Like there's always no, something not. going on. What was um, the toughest thing you had to do? Um, there wasn't, thankfully, you know, my father had his soldiers, that's what you call them. Uh-huh. Um, that sort of knew their roles and didn't really, they could just get on with it. Okay. Uh, I had a dispute with my father's brother. Oh. And he, yeah, because he couldn't get his head around that a young woman was possibly could do that. Uh-huh. And he actually threatened to uh, to have me picked up and give her a kick up her bottom. Yeah. And bring her to me. And he tried to take over my father. That was my own uncle. Oh, wow. So you had yeah. all strife there, I bet. Mm, yeah. So uh, was, I just, uh, I said, I'm not, I'm not going to see you. Yeah. And how dare he threaten me? And my dad wasn't happy about that. Um, but that was the only thing, you know, this is what I'm saying, you know, when it, you, it's not just outsiders as well. <laughs> You've got to watch who's around you mm-hmm. within the family, which is not nice to think or to, but. You know, it was, uh, I think it was more of an ego thing with him. Oh, sure. I guess. Yeah. You know, how this can, this young woman could possibly even, uh, so I had, you know, not just the outside sort of rivals, the inside rivals. And uh, thankfully I was well protected. A lot of everything sort of gone smooth. There wasn't really anything or any decisions I had to make that was severe or like I've just mentioned anything harsh that you know I had to uh thankfully I didn't have to make yeah you got lucky there wow so yeah so so you end up in uh jail you're in prison you with sounds like four years and um yeah yeah yeah. so Uh, then yeah how'd you end up doing what you do now let's talk about that because because there's been a progression and a change of heart or a change of i don't know if it's a change of heart is the right uh word for it but definitely a change of uh circumstances in in what you're doing with your life so let's talk a little bit about that progression what you're learning now what you what 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 caused the shift like the whole thing well um of course, you know, when you go into prison, you realize you either, you know, you're not going to go back in there. Yeah. There's people that they'll keep making the same mistakes and go back in. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it'll, it's like a vicious circle then. So I knew from day one that I was never going to go back in that. So from the time um, I tried to sort of, I found myself in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't have this hierarchy of men around me oh (laughs) of course I'd always had um I could sort of you know I I found myself in in many ways and I left my husband while I was in there okay he was arrested just before about a year before around about the time my father was and I I decided that you know he wasn't going anywhere and I loved him but I didn't like his ways and how he was and I left him and it was, of course, he was very upset. And I would never have been able to do that on the outside. Oh, oh wow. Oh, no, because it was just that my father wouldn't have, have agreed with it. And my, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to uh, to do that. And I decided, yeah, that's it. We're in the same boat. He's in prison. I'm in prison. I'm leaving him. Good and you. Yeah, you know, and um, and then I guess from something bad I sort of tried to turn it around from the bad experience it could have made me something very bitter and twisted yeah but I didn't I sort of came out and thought right you know my life there's other things that happened just as I came out uh but then it was just you know what I don't care like my outlook was my bridge is full and I am rich <laughs> you know that is all that matters I had my my son then and it was you know and I've I've grown them up I was then left a single parent Uh with both and I grew them up um I tried self-employment I had shops uh uh, children's clothes 
uh, I did markets. I've um, only up to not too long ago, I was cleaning. I, I was self-employed cleaning. Oh, wow. I just tried to do because of the stigma mm -hmm. <laughs> I had uh, after coming out of prison. Yeah. Uh, as, people as, know you. That, well, yeah, around the area, of course, with uh -huh. my mother, because nothing ever happened here. It was a one-horse cart town. And right. <laughs> of course, then Mafia Princess, you uh -huh. know, it was like, whoa, what's going on here? And of course, um, thankfully, you know, people were nice enough, but they, when it came to, you know, it's that tick-the-box thing where if you go for an interview and you're trying to get a job, it's very, very hard because yeah. if you're the one with a criminal record... Uh -huh. It doesn't matter how much you try and make it fair. They're not going to choose you. Right. Um, and I've had that, you know, when I tried to get a job, I could have had a good career as well and capable of, and I've just never been given a chance. So, of course, then I was being self-employed. I tried a few things. And uh, then my children uh, were sort of grown up. My, my youngest uh, just left the college, you know, he's left high school, and I thought, I want, I'll try and do this criminology. Yeah. <laughs> I want to try and see from, I've been on that side. Um, I'd like to, it was, it was more for that. It wasn't anything, you know, like this chatting huh. to someone like yourself or, or it was more for myself um, in finding myself out. And of course I did over time. I mean, there's been, I've been in a classroom where I got quite emotional with certain things because it answered my own questions of my own how I was. Oh, really? You know, the, yeah, sociological uh -huh. uh, theories and uh, psychological theories and, you know, and, and uh, uh, biological theories all into that uh -huh. of where you're born and who's around you and, and you're so perceptible when you're young and as you're growing up and all this sort of, like, talking to you about a daddy issues. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that I obviously had and never even thought about that. I mean, you know, when I come out of prison, I thought, well, it was my fault. I did it. I've done my time. I did, I did the punishment. I did the rehabilitation, uh -huh. uh, which actually is the wrong word because it's habilitation, really, isn't okay, it? Okay, yeah, yeah. Rehabilitation, you're going back to what you were. Oh. Which you don't. Okay. You know, everybody talks about rehabilitation, right, actually. And the circumstances, is like this it's it's not really is it because <laughs> you ch you're going you're not going back you're going forward yeah you, yeah you re sort of i guess in reinventing yourself there you go now yes you are mm -hmm. you still i mean you know does a leopard ever change its spots of course we hear that yeah 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 and i'm a true believer that actually i don't think anybody does you are what you are your nature is your nature uh -huh. now what changes is your behavior yeah absolutely. how you is how you then uh, you then are with that isn't it it's, it's it, it, that's in general with everything it's your behavior it's how you are towards that it's what you do with with that um so of course that's that's all so that's opened up my mind in, in them sort of ways of and then, of course, with that, I, I went to a criminology conference and there was a few academics. And then at the end, this guy that was a lifer stood up um, and he told his story. And I thought, I could do that. Uh -huh. <laughs> I could stand up there and do that. that Absolutely. Pretty, you know, it's, so then I got hold of the Hodder Education that do it. Um, and... They they love that you know, and then the, the next year I I was I was stood on that stage and and from then on I've you know I've I've spoken to many people and and um, you know people say about my book oh, my book it was about uh, that's another story I can go on but <laughs> it was mainly no but it was I was getting a lot of the journalists saying things even ten years after I've been out of prison about. The, the guy was arrested 20 miles away and they uh, linked him to me and, and said, uh, uh, oh, well, she's got the same bank and she lives there and she might have gotten this. And I was so, so frustrated and so angry. I never knew this guy. He was a Gomorrah. Oh, 
Oh, wow. uh, Gamora guy that was on the run from Italy. He uh-huh. was a hitman. Oh, yeah. So uh, I was so frustrated. It was a national paper. I think it was a Telegraph or something. And I was so. And I went to my solicitor and said, "You know, what can I do?" I couldn't do anything. And then I was approached the third time. I'd been approached about twice before in uh-huh. ten years, and about doing my book. And I just thought, I can't get a career. I've got this stigma that I can't get any further yeah. mm-hmm. um i'm being asked and asked about my life story of course there's a financial side of it we're not oh, going yeah. to you know and i just thought i'm going to put the record straight this is oh, so when I, I, I this is what i've done and this is what you know and and when i say the financial side it's not you're not a millionaire overnight unfortunately <laughs> or you know you're not but it, to me, that's a bonus. My book is a bonus. What I'm doing, I'm earning money myself. Yeah. Anything from that is for my children, a future for my children. Because I can't, I've not had a 20-year career where I can leave them a home or I can leave them a business or something. So I, to me, that's, that's something for their future. Yeah. So Even though so, they will work. For, yeah. So, so your book is called Mafia Princess, right? Yeah. And where yeah. can people get that? Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, it looks it? good. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to it's get. I haven't right. got mine yet. I'm, I'm going to order it right after we get off here. So where do we go? It's um, it's on uh, it should be on Amazon. On Amazon. I think there's okay. a yeah. It did come out in America a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, you should be able to get it from Amazon, and of course you got eBay. There's a lot of on eBay that yeah, uh, sort of. Well, uh, I, I will get buy a new one because that will help you. <laughs> if I have <laughs> okay, but be the same. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. So, but of course, from that, um, just want to mention, um, uh, uh, Amazon Prime uh, have taken have the option to make um, a series of my book. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, it's the first Italian theories um so the i think they're trying to sort of uh, be competitive with the netflix i think yeah. so um they they've done it quite a few in europe so there's the first spanish amazon primes there's french and mine's the first italian so i'm, I'm quite you know uh, i'm feel honored for that um yeah so that should be quite interesting they should, they should have started filming actually in march but of course yeah a little delay with everything that's yeah yeah um wow. okay so two more questions mm-hmm. um what is the number one thing that people listening can take from your story right to make their lives better or protect themselves in some way what do you think i think uh appearances can be very deceiving okay <laughs> And your instinct should sort of, you know, go with your instinct with certain things. Yeah. I guess that's from a survival point of view as well that uh-huh. I'm just talking about. But I've always, because of, of my experience in life, mm-hmm. and obviously the knowledge that I have now, because of that, um, uh, I, I just sort of... I can now sort of see straight through people, thankfully. Yeah. Um, in person, you know, and what appears in front of you is not necessarily what it is. And I know a lot of people may say, well, we sort of know that. and with, But to what extent do you know that? Because if I was to appear in front of you somewhere, uh-huh. you would never, ever dream that I'd <laughs> had a past like I had. Yeah, no. Or I could be... And, I can be quite deceitful as well. Of course, that life is deceitful, isn't it? It's, it is. As in, you, 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 you're always ducking and diving. You're always, it's a lie. Your presence is a lie because you're making yourself to be something that you're not. Well, we all hide behind our facade, right? We all have, of course. We all have light and we all have dark. And sometimes you just never know which one's going to come out or what trigger's going to have it flip so so do you so so you think you're pretty good at seeing that in people and knowing what they're going to do next 
And not necessarily what they're going to do next, but uh-huh. I, I just know enough not to want them in my life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So, All right. Fair enough. You know, um, you know, I can sort of feel, you know, or even at a party or, you know, social gathering, um, which we won't have for a while with this social distancing, yeah, of course. Know. But, um, but even with that, I can just straight away in that room, I can pick somehow, or I can actually spot the, the one that might be a bit dodgy. Uh-huh. For, I don't even know myself how I can do that. Right, but, but it's I can, a sixth sense. I can spot, yeah. Okay, okay. I can just have that feeling. Uh, so I'm hoping that answers your question. Yeah. I'm more, it's more of a survival thing with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I, I haven't really been in an environment, a corporate environment or anything like that. But I'm actually presuming that you still have the same sort of hierarchy and you still have the same backstabbing and you still have the it's same. It's exactly the same. You haven't said anything different than, I mean, besides taping the money around, around you, like you haven't really said anything a whole lot different than what goes on in corporate America or, and, mm-hmm. you know, probably corporate um, Europe <laughs> probably too. Right. Yeah. Because there's organizations, you have to know your people and you have to be able to get the best out of them. And, focus on the company mission right and it takes a great leader to um to be able to do that effectively and and profit right because anyone can tank a business that's that's easy right with a few of the wrong decisions so um Mm. so tell us like what you're doing now because you're out speaking tell me the kind of groups that that um that, that you're speaking to how you're helping them how people can get a hold of you this is this is your advertisement time. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, <laughs> thank you. Um, this is well, basically, I'm uh, got North Bank um, agency, North Bank talent agency in London. Okay. Uh, who uh, sort of looks after anything um, like that? I'm actually in contact with someone else to the London Speaking Bureau. Okay. As well, that have um, will have my details. I'm just about to take them on as well. Um, so basically what, what I do now is I go to, uh, well, I did <laughs> before all this, <laughs> yeah. hopefully will happen again. So as I said, I did the criminology conference in, um, in London and various other cities in the UK. That was more for sort of students. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've done, I've gone into prisons okay. and spoke to prisoners. Um, Basically, sort of obviously, everyone I speak, to, I, I, I say most of what I just spoke to you about. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, I also have, I sort of say about, you know, it's, that life isn't worth it. Right. Because, and I mean that, you know, it's not worth it. You can, it took me a while, but I realized that actually you can earn really good money as well without be, breaking the law. <laughs> um, you know, and, obviously having the right people around you and what do you want to do in and out of prison is this going to be you for the rest of your life mm-hmm. the stigma that you already have and the stigma that i'm still fighting stigma uh even now i still oh, have yeah. to fight it you know so it's that it's not so much you, you commit you know and, and i'm a great believer of someone everybody deserves a second chance i just feel that everybody does uh deserve it. um when i say that obviously when you talk about crimes, paedophilia or rapes or, ah, uh, no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I on sort that. of draw the line there. I draw the line there. Then that's a different, that they're, they're ill. Uh, that's another category. That's not even, you know, um, they, there's something there. Not, I know people might think that about organized crime, that they're not wired correctly. And I guess in a way we must have a little bit of craziness, but who hasn't? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Everybody has their thing. Everybody does. Like you just said, there's light and there's dark. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so basically, I do that. Uh, I've been to a few prisons. I've been to Pentonville, which is, I mean, it, it was built in 1842, and it was one of the first uh, prisons, you know, of uh, of its kind. And, Ooh, and uh, yeah, and it, to be honest, that was one of the first ones that I went into uh-huh. without being a prisoner or a visitor actually being in, in the educational side and it was quite uh, daunting actually the really? smell the yeah because it just took me back to being in there uh-huh. um it's, it's 
yeah, it was very surreal. But um, but I did that. You know, it was good. And I just, I just, I guess, I'm just trying to. And of course, I spoke on the webinar mm-hmm. in regards to obviously my money laundering at the time. So that was my main. I was money laundering, and um, I, you know, I've done that now. And who knows what the future holds? Hopefully, many other doors will open. I didn't intend when I first started doing my criminology to do this but thankfully doors have opened in this in this way and I'm glad because it's good to put my knowledge across of obviously it's quite unique of of my past and my life and what I went through of course there's so much more that I didn't mention oh (laughs) I know you have a lot (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's it's uh but you know I'll talk like this now, but you find me somewhere out and I would never, no one ever knows who I am unless they recognize me or, yeah, yeah. but even friends I had for years, they didn't know. And then when I did my book, I had to tell them, they were like, oh, I tell you. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> they couldn't, because it's not something that I'd want to, you know, I wanted to leave it behind. And even yeah. now, you know, obviously I talk and, but it's not something I just go out there and, I'd want people to know. It's yeah, not, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not first thing. I'm not, yeah, and I'm not proud of it. You know, I am. I, I do. I am ashamed of of certain things and certain positions that I put myself in, and how indirectly people were hurt, and you know, then that's I have to carry that. Yeah, I have to carry that, and you know, I'm trying to do good now, and hoping that would balance that anyway. But oh, I'm yeah. doing it. I'm doing it from the heart, you know. I'm no, not, I can tell. I uh, can really tell. And, thank and I, you. I, I think you're going to help a lot of people uh, by telling your story. But I think I think there's some things that are going to unfold for you. Like I can sort of tell what's you know about people kind of like you. But I, I think there's going to be things that unfold for you that are going to be bigger than what you imagined. And um, you're going to get to use all so. that experience for good because everything happens for a reason and you know you've decided mm. to let the light out and it's going to work oh thank you that's that's really nice for you to say that thank yeah. you yeah yeah cool thank you. And thank you for having me oh are you kidding i'm i'm honored <laughs> that 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 you came on so so thank you very much thanks for joining me make sure you subscribe to this podcast rate and review it i'll see you next time mm-hmm.